Welcome to Used Car News Podcast. Used Car News is your top source for fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. Here are this month's top stories. Risk Point keeps an in-house weatherman to help dealerships prepare for storms. A California used car dealer is making a name in the EV market, only selling hybrids and electric vehicles. And the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has laid out a new rule for digital marketing. Plus, we'll have Chris Angelicchio, Executive Director of ServNet Auction Group, and Chad Bailey, ServNet President and Owner of Akron and Value Auto Auctions, to talk about ServNet and the upcoming NAAA convention. This podcast sponsored in part by Akron Auto Auction, sales every Tuesday, and Value Auto Auction sales every Thursday. Visit AkronAutoAuction.com and ValueAutoAuction.com for more information. Meteorologists on the local news can make mistakes, and those are forgotten the next day. But for Jacob Robb, meteorologist for Risk Point, a Dallas-based insurer for auto dealers, a bad weather forecast cost money. Jacob, who attended the University of Oklahoma, decided against a career in weather forecasting or TV news shows. The reason is he likes the variety that comes with his Risk Point job. Doing daily forecasting for the local news didn't interest him much. At Risk Point, he's looking at weather patterns nationwide and how they can affect a vast number of locations in various ways. Those in the hail belt, the areas where hail is a regular threat, are generally aware of the threat and make the proper preparations to protect their vehicles. But Risk Point helps their decision making by determining whether this is a hailstorm that they should worry about or whether it's a hailstorm that they don't have to worry about. The Hail Belt includes the Great Plains states of Texas, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Iowa, the Dakotas, and a little bit of Colorado. Jacob said changing weather patterns have meant there's less hail in the traditional locations, but it's moving into other locations. It isn't just hail that dealers are concerned with. Flood can mean total loss for dealers. The issue dealers had before Risk Point is that they were reliant on TV meteorologists who were discussing a wider area. Risk Point allows dealers to know what's going to hit them and when. All the talk about electric vehicles has focused on the new car side, but a California dealership is already making its mark in the used EV and hybrid market. Beto Beas is the vice president of Beas Auto Sales in Stockton, California, which has been in business for 31 years. The second generation employee said the company changed their strategy four years ago. Now they specialize in hybrids, plug-in hybrids, and electric vehicles. That's all they sell. Hybrid and plug-in hybrids are essentially the same vehicle if you don't plug in the vehicle. If you do charge it, it gives you the capacity of driving on full electricity. Beto's vehicles are all below 100,000 miles with model years of 2015 to 2021. The average price on his lot is $18,000 to $35,000. What prompted Beto's radical switch to EVs and hybrids? Being in California, Beto saw years ago that electric and hybrids are the way of the future. And with skyrocketing gas prices in California and the fact that California is a leader in EV technology, Beto says the move was a no-brainer. Beto believes that as of this summer, he was the only used EV hybrid dealer in the state. There are traditional dealers that sell EVs and hybrids, but not exclusively. He predicts in five to seven years, there will be a lot more EVs on the road.
The Consumer Financial Protection Bureau issued an interpretive rule laying out when digital marketing providers for financial firms must comply with federal consumer financial protection law. In its rule released earlier this month on its website, the CFPB went through an explanation of the market and its warning to digital marketers about complying with CFPB laws. Digital marketers that are involved in the identification or selection of prospective customers or the selection of placement of content to affect consumer behavior are typically service providers for purposes of the law, according to the CFPB. Digital marketers acting as service providers can be held liable by the CFPB or other law enforcers for committing unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts or practices as well as other consumer financial protection violations. The CFPB's recent interpretive rule explains digital marketers provide material services to financial firms. A material service is one that is significant or important. Digital marketing providers are typically materially involved in the development of content strategy when they identify or select prospective customers or select or place content in order to encourage consumer engagement with advertising. Digital marketers engaged in this type of ad targeting and delivery are not merely providing ad space and time, and they do not qualify under the time or space exception. The CFPB, states, and other consumer protection enforcers can sue digital marketers to stop violations of consumer financial protection law. Service providers are liable for unfair, deceptive, or abusive acts or practices under the Consumer Financial Protection Act. When digital marketers act as service providers, they are liable for consumer protection law violations. And now we sit down with Chris Angelicchio, Executive Director of ServeNet Auction Group, and Chad Bailey, ServeNet President and owner of Akron and Value Auto Auctions, to talk about ServeNet and the upcoming NAAA convention. Hello, I'm Jeffrey Ballant, Managing Editor of Used Car News, and we're kicking off this new podcast. We've got great guests today. We've got Chris Angelicchio, um, Executive Director of ServeNet Auction Group, and we've got Chad Bailey, President of Akron Auto Auction, a past president of the National Auto Auction Association, and the current president of ServeNet. So this is gonna be a great discussion. Appreciate you guys taking the time out to be here. And so Chris, I want you guys to introduce yourselves a little bit more in depth, a little bit about your background and what brought you to where you are in the industry. So Chris, if you wanna kick it off first, please. Jeff, first of all, thanks for having us on here today. Great to get out and see you, you know, on a Zoom meeting here and get to talk to you and looking forward to catching you in person here in a couple of weeks. My new role here with ServNet, uh, exciting role for me as I, um, I, I kind of grew up in the ServNet family. My family um, had an independent auction, Pittsburgh Auto Auction. Uh, we owned the auction for 35 plus years uh, prior to it being acquired by Odessa in 2015. Um, for 20 years, I, I managed the businesses there as independent as well as work for Odessa. Um, and then the opportunity came to kind of come back home to the independent family um, where my heart resides and growing up in this, in the independent auction world, you kind of learn to love every day's kind of all in blood, sweat, tears, uh, love, hate for everything that goes into it, but true passion for the business with doing what's best for the customer, dealers, commercial clients, and the love for the employees. So I'm happy to be back, happy to be here helping our auctions, the 21 ServNet auctions, work through best practices um, and work together to figure out how to navigate this ever-changing landscape we're in right now. Cool. Okay. And Chad, being the um, introverted, non-people person that you are, if you kind of introduce yourself. Chad Bailey, I am a third generation owner-operator of the Akron Auto Auction. 
about 14 months ago, I actually, we purchased the value auto wash in just south of Columbus. Right. Um, and then, uh, like you said, past president of NAAA, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough now to work with Chris and the ServNet auctions as uh, the, the president of ServNet. So kind of wearing a lot of hats, but uh, really kind of excited to wear those hats right now with everything going on in the industry. So Chris, tell us about now ServNet, course, a new era with you guys and you in charge and, and obviously a great guy like Chad, who's been around and been in leadership positions. Tell us what's new with ServNet and what you're hoping to accomplish in, you know, in the next few months, coming years. Our big topics right now we're working through, Jeff, is, is we really look through the, the ever-changing landscape of the, the industry and requirements um, for compliance that are coming down. That's some of our hot topics right now are going to be figuring out a way to keep our auctions compliant, working through and navigating um, the, the banks, the requirements, the lease company requirements, and, and really just protecting the personal data of the customers as they come through so our auctions can continue to compete on the national landscape. Uh, the other things we're looking at is education for the staffing and the employees of the auctions. As we move into the, whether it's gonna be the EV coming up through and the rest of the changes that are coming across the landscape, how we continue to educate our employees to make sure we're able to keep up with the technology and the changes that are happening. Uh, that's really what we're, we're focusing right now on how we can best prepare our auctions to make sure they're able to, to stay in this market and continue to be the premier auctions out there. How, how many how many members do you guys have now at Servant? Currently we have 21 auctions um, across the country giving us a footprint to cover most of the country. For sure. Wow, that's great. Um, just out of curiosity, is there anything on the horizon or any, uh, you know, any uh, additions you're looking at right now or, or no? Because I know that it has to be a kind of a non-competitive thing, I would assume. We are. We're actually we are in the process of uh, looking to add some new auctions to the group. Um, it's, a, it's a process we go through. We want to make sure that we truly have the premier independent auto auctions in the group. Uh, as consolidation happens throughout the industry, which we're seeing at a I think the fastest pace we've seen in consolidation of auctions, we yeah. are seeing uh, added value to the independent auctions to want to be part of a group. They want to be part of a best practice. Um, you might as well call it a small 20 group to come and meet with and be able to utilize uh, their peers uh, to get through and navigate the waters because it's getting more competitive as the landscape gets smaller and gets consolidated. Now, Chad, how long have you guys been a member of ServNet? Yeah, we, yeah, I think it's about five years, maybe a little bit longer. Now, that's a good example. Can you tell me what the difference has been in terms of being a member of ServNet? And obviously, for a family business, it's been around so long like you guys. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because actually, um, you know, when I had started kind of getting more involved with the conferences and being a part of AAA and getting on some committees, um, we were fortunate enough to be asked uh, to join a 20 group. And so my first kind of exposure to things we're in a 20 group with other auctions. And so, you know, you kind of got familiar with having meetings to where, you know, you get together and maybe focus on sales one meeting or your facilities and go see another auction. So we really got familiar with that 20 group. And, um, you know, it, it, we learned a lot. We're able to, you know, like I've always said, if you can kind of take a nugget of knowledge home from you when you go to another auction or you have a meeting, we were able to do those things and, and improve our auctions. And uh, really, we're enjoying that 20 group. And then we got a, a, a call from the ServNet board about potentially joining ServNet. So as we kind of looked at it, it was kind of like an evolution of starting out being, you know, just kind of an, an independent auction where you're just kind of fighting for your own backyard and what you're doing to then being in a 20 group and kind of getting outside of your bubble and, and meeting other auctions, seeing other best practices, 
learning about how other auctions do things, um, picking up some tidbits, and then kind of going to the next level, like Kristen said, of, of really kind of joining um, a group of auctions that, um, you know, I've always kind of been a fan of, I don't know, if I'm the smartest guy in the room, we probably have trouble. So I'm a fan of, you know, being around other auctions that seem to have more consignment or do better things, or maybe have more cutting edge technology or really going about things from staffing and personnel better. So it's been, we've been blessed to just kind of keep taking those natural steps and progressions to continually trying to be amongst other auctions and amongst other partners that are continuing to make us better. I always thought it was interesting about ServNet because you, you maintain the independence of the auctions, but you kind of get that affiliation that, you know, the corporates have, but you don't, you have the independence of the independence, I guess, if that's the right way to say it. Uh, how does that work? Is that an appeal, I guess, to your members? I think it's a, the, the big appeal of it is, is they get in the room. And like Chad said, these guys are some of the smartest business people, I think, in the industry. And as they sit there, they're constantly looking for new and better ways to improve it. As they look around, they know the guys in the room are equally as passionate and equally invested in making sure that their businesses continue to be successful and grow and not just sit stagnant. So as they sit there, they're utilized this group to look at maybe one thing as we go to the auctions and we kind of move our meetings around, we hit the auctions. It's interesting to see the differences when you walk into each group and what you can pick up one little tidbit that may be able to help you in one department. It may be recon, it may be mechanical, it may be just how they run their study operations. But as they go through this, they're always constantly looking for improvement. And that's what I I think I love about the independent side of the, the auction business and these owners is they don't stop 24 seven, their minds are moving and they're out there looking to figure out how they can make their businesses better for the customer. Cause truly at the end of the day, that is what they're about is they're about giving the customer the ultimate experience. And so they're out looking to do what's best for them. And, and for you, Chad, that's the other thing. I, I guess you talked a little bit about it, but being a, a, a independent and now having the affiliation with ServNet, having that kind of, is there a freedom too to knowing that you guys are on the same team? So in other words, you know, it's okay to talk to even people in your 20 group, but then here you are on ServNet where you're on the same team and you can kind of share resources that you might not be able to otherwise. It's nice. It's like anything else, you know, you, 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 it's nice to be able to now and then you're, you can vent and scream and kick and yell to one of your partners or a manager or something within the auction. But you know, and I, I won't belabor this, but, you know, the infamous COVID and the pandemic, you know, being able to reach out to other auctions or how you were handling this. And, you know, every auction that was in a different state had different, uh, you know, levels that they were allowed to do and different hurdles and, and, and that. But being able to reach out to them, if you had a question about something, you, you had a, a this, that or the other, you know, we, we meet twice a year and have our owners meetings. And, and we most recently had our owners meeting. I hosted it in Canton. And it was perfect. We were able to be at, at the Pro Football Hall of Fame and talk about kind of that team and that, you know, as I've always told you, Jeff, that football mentality of it's like, you know, when you know, the NFL kicks off at one o'clock on a Sunday, it's like all of us have that auction that kicks off at the same time. But we got in that meeting and with the, as Chris had said, with the landscape of the auction industry changing and, um, you know, with with what America's and Nick have been doing and with Carvana and, 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 and uh, the Dessa you know, we were able to all sit down as owners face to face and look at each other and ask, who are we? Where are we going? What are we wanting to do? What are we at? And it's nice to be able to have, as Chris said, you know, two dozen very strong, uh, educated minds that have been in this business longer than me. I've experienced a lot of other things. And some of the new people who have come in with new ideas, being able to get together and share ideas at times, be criticized, um, at times, be questioned at, at times 
um, you know, having different ideas thrown at you, I think is, is very, very healthy uh, for a culture. And like I said, to have two dozen of us together for two days to really be able to go over what's going on in this industry, what's going on in our auction, what's going on with our ServNet brand, I think can only make us uh, stronger and healthier. And, and so it's great to have those types of um, conversations with your, your, your peers and your pals and kind of the people that are in the trenches with you. A time like this, Chris, with um, consignment, you know, concerns about consignment and inventory still, how do you how do you manage that in terms of leading serve that leading independence in terms of there are things you obviously out of your control. So what are you hearing in terms of concerns about inventory consignment and, and, and the market in general? The inventory, the worry of the inventory is it's on everyone's mind. We're seeing some shrinkage of the market. Uh, we're seeing dealer trades slow down a little bit as we go through this. Dealers are holding on to more additional inventory. Um, but also as we go through this, you're going to see the peaks. I think as we unfortunately start to hit a more difficult economic time in the country, you're going to see repossessions start to rise. It's going to start on the subprime front. It's going to work to the prime front potentially as we roll through this. So for us, we need to be prepared. And that's really the auctions need to be prepared because in order to process a repossessed car, it takes a lot more resources at the auction. Our transportation departments have to be ready to go to get them out of the repo lots. We need to make sure our condition report writers were staffed up with the adequate people to make sure that we're doing everything, A, with compliance to make sure we do everything for the bank's needs, as well as to give a, a good, accurate condition report to our buyers, our sellers, and then the processing the car through the reconditioning process, through the moves on the lot. The repossessed car just takes a lot more manpower. So the auctions right now struggling struggling to hire uh, staffing like every other business in this country. Uh, it's difficult. So that's really, it's a challenge to kind of look ahead and foresee what is coming. Uh, so if we do see a little dip, it's, it's getting back in, making sure we have adequate staffing, talking to our consigners, knowing what's coming, forecasting. I think that's the biggest challenge is to, to make sure we have a good finger on the pulse with our customers to know what is coming so we can prepare and not try to hire staff or not have adequate staffing after we get the volume to make sure we're ramped up. And that's one of the advantages of the independent auctions and, and having this group to know and talk through is these guys aren't afraid to hire someone a month ahead of time, have their auctions staffed up. So when the volume does hit, there isn't a shortfall on processing the vehicles. For you, Chad, in the lanes, what are you hearing from dealers, say independent dealers, for example? What is their concern still just inventory or what are they seeing in their markets? Um, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, I mean, and I'm sure Chris can attest this. If you want to go find someone that can tell you the world's coming to an end, there's always about three of those dealers I can go find every Tuesday. Uh, I might as well just put up for sale sign and call today. Uh, and I can go to the other end where there's always eternal optimists and everything. But, you know, I, I think like anything else, like Chris said, it's just, you know, the, the people are being creative with what they're doing. You know, I'm uh, watching some of this stuff with the the OEMs and, and new cars. And, you know, they keep talking about the chip and where are these cars sitting and how right. long is this and when are we going to get this? And are we ever going to have a sales team? Or are they just going to be, you know, inventory takers and, and order takers? And you kind of look at the whole landscape of all of this. But as we always know, you know, when you look around and you have a teenage son or daughter or, uh, you know, someone that turns 16 or going off to college with a used car, that, 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 that's not never going away, no matter what happens with what type of cars, electric or gas or flying or whatever, you know, there's always going to be that demand for used cars. And it's just a matter of, of, like you said, finding that volume right now that's coming because as we've said, the lanes have a little bit of a, they're dried up a little bit. Uh, the percentages are a little bit tougher. 
as all of us know, you know, when the market was hot six months ago and, and, and uh, dealers were buying up a lot of trucks, those truck values uh, now are a little bit different than they were then. And no different than when we saw this, you know, 12, 14 years ago, right. some of the guys that are able to hold on to inventory and when it turns, they're going to be are sitting there fine. Other people kind of like the market, you get nervous, you're sitting on something that doesn't have nearly the value. How fast do I load it? Do I hold it? Do I wait? And so right. you're seeing a lot of people, you know, a lot of people when the market's good, all of a sudden everyone's be a car dealer and everyone's, you know, selling cars, then it gets tough. And you're going to, you know, I, I, I'm sure you're going to start seeing some of these guys get weeded out that maybe are, are on thin margins and sitting on inventory that they're kind of upside down on. Um, I'm sure it's going to be a little bit of a thinning of the herd, which um, almost seems to, to happen indirectly every two decades or so with this mm -hmm. industry. So uh, like I said, it's uh, the dealers are, I think they're struggling through it. But one thing we've always said, no different auction owners and dealers, anybody can find ways they're, they, they, they're survivors and yes. they find ways to adapt. They find ways to get creative. They find ways to, you know, dance the, the line of figuring things out because that's always been the nature of the beast with dealers and auction owners. So um, like Chris said, I, I, I'm a firm believer. Well, there's, there's uh, light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a matter of that whole timing thing. It'll be real interesting with these midterms coming up, how that all plays a factor in the right. country. Right. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a handful of variables that we've got to keep a, a, a pulse on. Yeah. I remember when in 08, 010, where you had those gas prices and everybody, got rid of their big truck and then literally it was months it seemed maybe it was a year all of a sudden they were running back and doing the same thing and this one talking to independent dealers anecdotally a lot of them are afraid that there's going to be you know a, a abrupt change and now you hear the economists you know for what that's worth don't see it that way chris for your members what do they seem do they see there's gonna be some abrupt change in the market or 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 not they don't, we don't see an abrupt change coming. I think you're going to see a naturalization of the market. It's going to come back to a little bit more of a natural market, but we don't feel there's going to be a huge downside to the market, especially because there's no surplus of volume. With the shortage of volume out there, it's going to continue to keep prices uh, on a steady curve. I think you're going to start to see a steady curve. Uh, the, the interesting, I think you're going to see is as our average age of our car on the road continues to get older and older, mm -hmm. uh, the vehicle's coming back can be a little bit rougher as they get to the end stage of their life. So I think we're going to see maybe the market on the bottom end vehicles maybe start to come down a little bit. Uh, people are going to be looking potentially to, to dive back into that new car market. And, and I think the big change is going to be as we move into the electric vehicles, the price of the electric vehicles is extremely high. And when you look at the price, what it compared to an entry level car was in the past. So I think that's going to be the thing to keep our focus on is what does that do to the pricing of the whole market as the pricing of the new car market continues to rise. Obviously, the used car market has followed suit over the past. So as they continue to price them up, what does happen to the used car market will probably follow, but it's probably going to be on a more natural curve. I'm glad you said that. You know, it's funny about the EVs. I always, there's so many um, questions I have, you know, because you hear that. EV batteries are like, they're like the opposite of what we know about internal combustion. Like a car that's got like lots of city miles on it is usually the one that's, you're concerned about this rougher, where if it's highway driving, you like that. Now with EVs, I hear it's like the opposite. And I think the question for you guys in the auctions is how do you value that used EV? I mean, I, I, I'm baffled about how that's going to go. 
The big thing is going to be the software. There's a lot of companies out there right now that are working on the battery testing software. That space is going to be the most important space to the auctions. Right. We can go in and we can actually, like we do a condition report on the vehicle, we need to do condition report on the battery and be able to spell out where the battery is in its life cycle. It's the most expensive piece of the car. It's the most important piece of the car. So once we get that down to that, where the technology is there for us to put it out there, and it's close, and it's going to be part of every electric vehicles condition report, then I think we're going to have a peace of mind where you're going to know what you're getting. You're going to go in just like you do with a you know an internal combustion engine right now, and we can put a scanner on it. We can read the codes. We know what that problem cost to fix. The electric cars are going to be the same. I think we're going to have a condition report on the battery. And as that battery life shows what percentage of a life it has left, it's going to put the value on that car. So that will be the driving factor of how these cars are valued and what they're worth. Chad, do you see hybrids or plug-in hybrids or EVs through your lanes? I mean, just out of curiosity, and I don't know if you've given thought to this, Chad. I know you're a transport guy, too. The other issue is the weight of the cars with weight of EV with that battery. Do you have any idea of how that would affect transport? I, I don't know if weight necessarily, like I said, as much as for us, it's, you know, the, the, the size of the actual vehicle itself to being able okay. to determine how many you have to, to, to fit on a hauler. Okay. Um, you know, I, I don't I don't foresee that weight necessarily being anything critical in, in what's going to take place with the vehicles. I don't know, Chris, if you, I mean, if you're hearing anything, but I mean, I don't foresee the weight really necessarily being a total tipping point regarding transportation. Yeah, I figured you would know there. And Chris, anything else that you guys have heard in your meetings with your members? Any issues top of mind for folks that they're concerned about that they're asking guidance for? Really, the compliance, right? Compliance is the one thing I think we, we're really listening and staying in tune to. Um, we've seen what's kind of come out towards the end of the year with the used car dealers. It looks mm -hmm. like there's going to be a, a lot more eyes looking into used car dealers. And we feel that it could potentially trickle down to the auction just to make sure that we are all set in our compliance, that we meet all requirements. Because it, when you look at the vendor requirements that they, they put into some of the, the statements, we need to make sure that we are compliant we're a third-party vendor to both banks as well as new and used car dealers so we need to make sure that, that we're just in case something was to come down an investigation with one of our customers that we can prove that we are a good partner and they are doing you know we're doing everything in our power to make sure they're doing business with people that are keeping up with the law well, that's cool. That's excellent. We know NAAA National Auto Auction Association Convention Expo right around the corner going to be in Dallas this year. Um, Chris, what are you looking forward to in terms of ServNet? What's ServNet going to be looking for and its members at NAAA? What are you looking forward to yourself personally for the event? Uh, I think as a group, myself, I think we're all looking, we're all looking just excited to get back. NAAA missed last year. Um, you know, we, we haven't been together as a group for a while. And this is true of the history, you know, the, as the industry goes back over time, this is the, the high mark of the year, getting everyone together, the consigners, the auctions, the just the industry together. We get, you know, all the friends of the industry coming and, and go through it and, and kind of go through our issues. What's coming forth? I know Trish and her team have put together a fantastic educational program this year on many of the topics that we've already talked about um, that are going to be sure. important to, to what we're going to be navigating through in the next year or so to come. Um, I'm also, I'm just, I'm looking forward to, to getting there, going through the meetings, seeing everybody. It's been a while since, you know, with COVID, like Chad said earlier, not to, we don't want to bring it up again, but just get in there and get to see some people that we haven't seen face to face in a while, uh, have conversation. It's, it's always exciting. Oh, I'm right with you, man. I, I definitely want to shake hands and things like that. Um, and um, now does CERBNET have 
anything official things that you guys are going to be doing at the convention? So we are, um, we're going to be the premier sponsor for the, for the NAAA conference. Um, so we are sponsoring many of the functions, including the, the pre-concert. They have a, a large concert. So we're going to be the, the pre-concert party sponsor, um, which we're excited about. That fits, uh, fits right up Chad's alley there. Who's the concert? Who's the entertainment? It, uh, the entertainment is Jake Owen, country singer okay. Jake Owen. So they're bringing in a, a, a great A act in for the yeah. convention, which should be is exciting. Awesome. And what about you, uh, Chad? What's your, what's your look? What are you looking forward to? You know, being, you know, it's funny being, you know, when I was president under Frank, I got to say kind of Trisha was kind of the heir apparent and Trisha was getting groomed to do everything. And now to be able to see Trisha kind of be, you know, the, the, the captain of the ship, I'm excited to see her be able to put her brand and, and her stamp and NAAA staff stamp on this conference. Um, you know, one of the nice things, the, the things that I, I admire on many things about Trisha is her willingness to listen to the auctions, let it be, you know, part from Carr, let it be part from, um, you know, Cox, let it be the independents, let it be the independent auction group, let it be serve that auctions, Accelerate America's. She's listening about what do you want and, and what makes sense? Because, you know, it, we all know this, and especially when you kind of realized when the pandemic hit and you couldn't travel, it was one of those things and, and, and you started looking at expenses and looking at other things and value. And, and as I was president, it was one of the things I always said was, you know, if you're going to have a, an independent auction or even a corporate auction, if you look at the independent auction, a small city to bring two people and you and I know how much it costs to fly and to get rooms and hotels anymore and then to eat and travel. You know, if I'm going to bring two people with me and I'm going to have a five to $6,000 expense, what am I getting out? And what am I being, am I able to bring back something that hopefully offsets that? Or when you look at, you know, I, you look at the Acceler group or America's man, you know, we want you all to attend. Well, when you take that factor in on 50 auctions and bring 50 general managers, that's a huge corporate expense. And so the thing I'm excited, like I said, there's, there's plenty of sessions. I'm a big fan of, and, and, and Chris knows it. We're like that. Uh, Trish and her team. I want there to be substance that you actually care about, you know, mm -hmm. and to go through, you know, how did you survive COVID? I don't know about you. We've all had that conversation. It's, it's <laughs> there, it's done. We can go over again. How'd you get by with it? You know, that, that conversation's long gone. But being able to focus on what we see as potential hurdles or what do we see that's coming up that we're going to need to maybe pivot on or look different at or how is that industry and the brick and mortar going to interact with this now and especially with what's going on in the, in the digital world. Trisha gets it and has a pulse on those things because she's listened to us and so, like he said, from being able to have great sessions, let it be about what you should look at at your auction and, and what are you doing those things, the education part of it, and then be able to take a minute and enjoy the camaraderie of what we're about and go to this concert at night or the presidential, the, the gala at night. It's nice to kind of work hard, play hard, because like I said, you know, a lot of us, this industry and this business is about relationships. Thanks for listening to Used Car News Podcast. Each month we'll bring you fast and reliable news that car dealers can rely on for this evolving industry. For a free subscription to Used Car News, please visit usedcarnews.com. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Make sure to share us on social media and like and follow wherever you get your podcast. Darren Sutherland, executive producer. 
Jacob Sutherland, director. Producers Jason Gentarola and Matt Golden. All rights reserved.